it's just me, Shannon, here today, uh, and we're just going to do a quick little bonus episode, sort of catching up with what's been going on with Louisa May Alcott's life during this time between some of the different topics we've jumped around before we go into some of our other upcoming bonus episode topics that have to do with representation and other historical and uh, let's say pop culture facets of Little Women. But before I dive into that, I did want to give you some show updates. I'm sorry we've had such an erratic release schedule lately, uh, but we were just kind of hit, especially me, with a sort of confluence of crazy things happening all at once. Obviously, like a lot of other people and a lot of other people in the arts, um, members of our team have been affected by coronavirus isolation. Uh, we've had a few cast members who've been traveling internationally or within the country and had certain restrictions put on what they could do because of that. And in addition, there was a death in my extended family, and uh, my cat Luna got sick. She's doing better now, but it was a stressful time, and Zach and I wanted to give her, you know, as much care as we could. So hopefully going forward, we'll have a more regular release of these episodes. We actually only have two chapters, two episodes of the scripted portion left, which I feel pretty emotional about. Uh, But we're going to continue on with bonus episodes uh, for, you know, a good while after the scripted portion is over. I have a lot of interesting topics that I want to share with you all. I have some people um, who have different kinds of little women expertise that I'm going to hopefully be able to interview. So I just wanted to keep you posted with what was going on. And thank you for being a subscriber and a listener uh, because we really appreciate it, all of us here Uh, the members of the cast and people who are working behind the scenes and people like myself who are doing both. Uh, So without further ado, let's check back in with our friend Louisa, aka Lou, and see what was going on with her during the time of her life after the family moved away from their failed utopian commune Fruitlands and into the house where we know most of the incidents um, that make up Little Women actually started taking place. So we're picking up with Louisa in the year 1845 when she was about 13 years old. The family moved to Concord, you know, um, out of the more rural farming area where they were, a little bit more into town, to this house called Hillside which, of course, would be later sold to Nathaniel Hawthorne's family, and they renamed it, so that makes it nice and confusing if you ever want to Google the house and see what it looked like. Bronson was still pretty depressed when they first arrived at uh, Hillside, understandably, because his dream had just sort of collapsed. But he gradually returned to speaking and kind of came into his political life, And it was during this time period, specifically two years later in 1847, that the family served as a stop on the Underground Railroad, which means that they were, you know, protecting people who were escaping slavery on their way to hopefully a better uh, situation for themselves. I mean, obviously better than slavery. That's not what I mean. Uh, Better than being hidden in the Alcott's house. And during this time, they also hosted a lot of influential thinkers like Frederick Douglass. So we're kind of seeing this time period, 
not just as the beginning of the ideas that would make up Little Women, but I think the ideas that would really ground Louisa as like a suffragette later in life and someone who was very passionate about abolition and the Union cause in the Civil War. But she was also writing during this time. In 1852, when she was about 20 years old, uh, her first story was published. It's called The Rival Painters. And as you could probably guess from the title, uh, there's a sort of a hint maybe of the artistic rivalry that would later spring up between Joe and Amy in Little Women, which is also based on Louise's own relationship with her younger sister, May, who was a talented painter. They were, you know, the artists in the family. And as we'll get into a later episode about them, uh, they definitely had uh, the sisterly rivalry that we know so well from Joe and Amy. And just two years later, uh, she had another story in a similar vein called The Rival Prima Donnas, which was going to be turned into a play at the Boston Theater. Uh, Louisa liked hanging out at the Boston Theater. This was a tough time of her life, and I think it was a place where she could socialize and write and get inspiration for stories and sort of be around um, perhaps more like-minded people than she was in the academic or the religious community sometimes because she was such a creative person. Um, But the play never came into being. Uh, Louisa actually burned the script because of a fight between the actresses who were supposed to play the two rival prima donnas. So another obvious Little Women connection with the burning of Joe's manuscript by Amy, although she was burning her own work. But I also think it kind of speaks more to the the gentler side of Louisa's personality. You know, as we can tell from her writings and her quotes, she could be a very cynical, peppery sort of a person. But she also had a very gentle and loving side of herself. She had that sort of middle child need to be a peacekeeper at times, maybe. And um, she really struggled with uh, moments of interpersonal conflict like this. I relate as someone who is conflict avoidant. Uh, That same year, in 1854, she published a collection of short stories for children called Flower Fables. So this is sort of probably the the true beginning of her career as someone whose work is primarily associated with being for young people. And uh, I do want to add an addendum that I got some real conflicting publishing dates on this. I think it's probably because at a certain point, you know, she had like a copy that she was sharing with friends and family. And then later on, it was officially published. That could explain why I got a variety of different dates. But just know around 1854 is when the official binding of Flower Fables came out. And because I have to bring up as many transcendental thinkers and writers as possible per episode, I guess, um, these stories did actually originate as stories that Louisa told Ralph Waldo Emerson's children when she was working as a sort of teacher and governess for them for a little while when she was 15. Uh, She earned $32 for the publication of her first book. But uh, it wasn't all about money. It was very highly praised by her parents. I know that she thought of her mom in particular as like a source of support and inspiration for her writing. But this is something that her dad also really praised and supported uh, and kind of went out of his way to show her, you know, how proud of her he was for it. 
Uh, and she gave one of the first copies of it that she got to her mom for Christmas. And she called it her firstborn, which I thought was very charming. Uh, of course, because, you know, she couldn't have anticipated uh, what was coming down the road, even though we have the benefit of hindsight after just this $32 book. So Louisa continued to write, but she struggled to find success. And that definitely took its toll on her mood. Completely understandable. She had to work a bunch of different jobs starting when she was very young to support her struggling family. That job teaching the Emerson children was probably one of her first. She had a lot of different odd jobs, including doing like seamstress work at home, probably with her mother and sisters. All the girls worked in some capacity, either at home or out of the house. And Abba, their mother, uh, was a social worker. So she's doing amazing stuff, but obviously uh, it's not very high paying. And I think at this point, a lot of uh, their connections with Abba's wealthy family had been a little bit exhausted. They hadn't been cut off, but after getting bailed out of the disaster that was Fruitlands, they probably uh, didn't have those relatives to draw on as a resource in the same way. So during this time, like I said, Louisa was just really um, emotionally struggling with all these responsibilities that she had. She said during this time, I wish I was rich, I wish I was good, and we were all a happy family to this day. Which I think speaks to the fact that it was not just taking a toll on her mood, but on the relationships in the family. It was probably, you know, hard. It, I think for all of us, it can be harder to get along when you're going through a really tough time, a really tough time financially, and they were absolutely um, just barely making ends meet. During this time, she became depressed. She really connected with the life of Charlotte Bronte, who's another you know, woman who wrote as a young woman and didn't find a lot of success during that time at first and lived in isolation with her family in often kind of dire circumstances, either because of finances or because of family members' mental illness, which Louisa could have certainly related to. Uh, her mood really hit its nadir in the year 1858, probably one of the worst years of her life, uh, Lizzie died that spring in March. Lizzie is, of course, the Beth character uh, in Little Women. She was only 22 years old when she died of complications from scarlet fever, and Louisa was 26. They were very, very close, just like Beth and Joe, so I don't even know what I can add to that. I mean, her sister died. It was a long and probably painful illness, especially without all the conveniences of modern medicine. Um, so when the family moved to Orchard House, which is now preserved as being the site of where Little Women was written and sort of a all-around Alcott, Louisa May Alcott Museum, even though we think of it as being their happy home, it's sort of startling to learn that when they first moved into that house, they were deeply, deeply in mourning because Lizzie had passed away only two weeks previously. Obviously, the family was deeply religious because of all of Bronson's beliefs. Um, and so I think especially Louisa's parents really clung to that. Some sources also mentioned uh, Louisa, Abba, and the doctor who was present in the room when Lizzie died, seeing a ghost-like mist rising from her body. So 
take that for what you will. Uh, I personally am not someone who believes in ghosts, but obviously it was a very emotional moment for them, and who knows what happened. It was a long time ago. And uh, one more thing I want to mention, Lizzie is buried in Sleepy Hollow Cemetery, but unfortunately it's not the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery from the Washington Irving story. I got really excited. I thought she was buried in the cemetery from The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. But it turns out that all the Alcotts are buried in this other Sleepy Hollow Cemetery, um, not the one in New York, uh, and it's called Author's Ridge because of all the famous writers, including Louisa and Bronson, who are buried there. Another thing that happened shortly after the family moved into Orchard House was the oldest sister, Anna, moved out and married John Pratt, aka the John Brooke character from Little Women. So... Louisa basically felt that their sisterhood that she had relied on for her entire life had been dissolved and she felt really alone. Obviously, you know, another thing that's reflected in a big way in Little Women when Joe uh, is going through the time after Beth's death while Amy is in Europe and Meg is raising her young children and Lori and her have had a falling out so she really doesn't feel like she has anyone. But luckily things looked up, or at least started looking up, uh, about two years later. In 1860, The Atlantic published two of her stories. That's the same Atlantic that we have today that's still a major news publication. And there's a podcast uh, that I wanted to recommend to our adult listeners. It's not appropriate for for our young listeners, but it's really interesting And it will sort of help give you a sense of how important the Atlantic was during this time. But it's also just a really spicy and interesting podcast episode. Uh, It's Slate's Decoder Ring podcast. Their February 3rd episode called The Stowe-Byron Controversy. Uh, I highly recommend checking it out to kind of get a sense of what cancel culture as we would call it and celebrity culture more broadly were like during Louisa's lifetime it's really fascinating it says a lot about um you know sexism for one and how not much has changed about certain things uh but basically that episode focuses on the author Harriet Beecher Stowe and her writing a piece that sort of uh cast aspersions on Lord Byron's reputation. But if you know anything about Lord Byron, you know that he was a dirty dog. So those aspersions were very easy to cast. Um, So that will give you a better sense of like what where celebrity culture and pop culture were at than I could in one of these short bonus episodes. One of Louisa's stories for The Atlantic was called A Modern Cinderella. And I will just tell you a little bit about the plot, and I'm not going to keep stopping and making all every single Little Women connection because I won't be able to even explain to you what it's about. Uh, It's about two sisters, Di, Diana, who was based on Louisa, and Laura, who was based on May. Um, They're lazy sisters who want to be artists and just abandon their chores whenever a creative whim strikes them, which leads to a lot of troubles in the house. Uh, They have an older sister named Nan, obviously based on Anna, the oldest sister of the Alcott family, who picks up the slack by doing the tasks that they've forgotten and ends up like meeting a very wonderful man who appreciates her and falls in love with him. 
after seeing Nan and her fiance and their sort of loving, simple life together and how Nan rises to the occasion, Diana becomes inspired to use her art to help her family instead of just for her own self-benefit. Um, so yeah, obviously a lot of connections to Luisa's later work. She was only paid 50 to $75 per story, so she was happy, but also really striving at this point. You know, she wanted so much more for her family and so much more for herself. She wanted to believe that she could uh, support them with her writing, but she wasn't sure if it was possible. There are some, definitely some big changes coming up for her when we see her next, um, I think next time we check in with Louisa, we'll be covering her time as a Civil War nurse for the Union Army. But I wanted to leave you with one quote from A Modern Cinderella, which is just so perfect, and uh, that'll see us through till next time. So until then, here's A Modern Cinderella. I'll turn my books and pens to some account and write stories full of dear old souls like you and Nan and someone I know will like and buy them, though they are not the works of Shakespeare. I've thought of this before, have felt I had the power in me. Now I have the motive, and now I'll do it. Oh.